Um, hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Ski Podcast. It's perfect for the stay-at-home skier or snowboarder, which I'm guessing we all are at the moment. Um, we are sponsored by Switzerland Tourism, a place where most ski resorts are just nine hours drive from Calais, which you might need that information later on in the year. Um, uh, snow chains are interestingly sold in most petrol stations as well in Switzerland, which you might need that information later on in the year. It's not just snow uh, in Switzerland. The summer is wonderful as well. There's hiking, running, climbing, via ferrata, lakes. It's, uh, it's an amazing. And I'd say what a better what better way to spend five weeks, uh, one week of your five-week extended quarantine holiday that you'll be forced to take. Um, it's not just me here. Ian Martin is here fresh from his ski trip to the Barnard Castle Dry Slope. How are you, Ian? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Actually, I'm fresh from, I've just been paddleboarding on the on the channel, I suppose, so that was a nice way to start the day. Um, was that an essential travel? <laughs> I think you're allowed to do that these days, that's exercise. Oh, right, good stuff. Um, okay, and also there is another voice on the show. We are joined by um, Megan from In The Snow. How are you, Megan? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. And when was the I, I used to ask Ian this quite a lot. I uh, thought I'd ask you. And um, when was the last time you went skiing? Oh, um, start of March. I had a trip to Whistler. Um, luckily, just got that one in there just before the lockdown started. So that was quite an interesting, an interesting one. I've never been to Whistler. What's it like? Oh, it's amazing. <clears throat> I had never been before that trip. It's somewhere I've always wanted to go. And really? Yeah, it did not disappoint. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Okay, so uh, everyone should have that on their list. Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, yeah, for sure. Brilliant stuff. Coming up in the show, Megan will be telling us about her job um, at In The Snow. Um, Ian will be chatting to Laurie Taylor, and I am going skiing with old friend of the show, Dave Burrows, obviously before confinement happened. Um, right, let's get on uh, the way with the show. Let's go. What are we talking about first, Ian? Uh, well, you tell me. You're in, you're in La Clusa, you're in Deconfinement. Presumably you're going out and enjoying the mountains and that beautiful area where you live. Yeah, I have been out. I have um, been walking quite a lot, um, done a bit of mountain biking, been to some um, barbecues with my friends. Um, there were some illegal raves in the woods. I didn't go to those, I just heard them. Right, I think you mentioned that before. So what are the rules about how many people can gather together at the moment then? I think in public it's 10, in private, do what you like. <laughs> right, okay. And um, I know at the moment people can travel up to 100 kilometres in France. Have you, have you noticed lots of people coming into La Clusa to enjoy a bit of exercise in the mountains? Um, the traffic is definitely up um, in terms of the road, but when you're actually on the mountain I don't seem to, I don't feel like I'm seeing um, a huge amount of people. There's definitely, definitely a lot more motorbikes um, right. driving around. Because the colder Colombia has uh, opened, is that right? The colder Colombia has opened, and the colder Araby has been open all winter. Um, it's a popular route to drive. I think this is part of a, a tour. I don't think people necessarily stop. And um, it's a bit like you know, um, Durdle Door in Dorset, where people just get out of their car, walk to it, take a selfie, get back in the car, and leave again without exploring any of the surroundings. Right. Okay. Well, as long as they don't hang around and, and fill up your uh, your village too much. Um, we also, you, you mentioned Megan uh, before that you were out in a Whistler uh, during or just before uh, the lockdown. I was out in Switzerland in Andermatt and you might recall I'll have to look it up but whatever episode it was we interviewed Lars from the Radisson Blue out in uh, Andermatt and he gave us a bit of that history of uh, Andermatt well they are kind of open again in their Decon Fimor uh, if you want to call it that episode 52 it was and he sent us a little update of uh, how things are going over in Andermatt Hi Ian and hello to everyone from the Ski Podcast and thanks for having me back Wow, it doesn't even seem that long ago that we had our small talk in, in Andamat about the developments going on in Andamat. And um, yeah, in fact, you were one of the last guests we had in the Radisson Blue in Andamat um, on the weekend of the 16th of March. And um, I remember that when we first spoke, they had just announced that they were closing all the ski lifts and the ski resort. And so unfortunately, people couldn't even go skiing on, on that weekend anymore. 
and the last hotel guests left us on that Tuesday, which then resulted us in closing the hotel uh, completely. So imagine empty pool, no bar, and most of all, no guests at all in the hotel, which is really a, a creepy and, and strange feeling. Um, but that's about two and a half months ago. And since then, a lot has actually changed again. So we were allowed to open up the hotel again on the 8th of May after the curve, the famous curve, flattened and um, new infection numbers have gone down to something between 10 and 30 a day in Switzerland, which I think is not that much anymore. And uh, so the hotels were uh, around the middle of, of things that were allowed to open up again. And um, how does it look like now with, with, with still, of course, some restrictions in place? So what's definitely different is that saunas are not open, our ho two hotel saunas, because we cannot keep the, the regulations that are still in place. Um, our pool is open again, but uh, of course with restrictions as well. So you have to sign up and there's a certain amount of people allowed in the pool. Same goes for the gym and also for the bar and restaurant area so um, bar and restaurant are open as well but um, restaurant only allows four people at one table and every table has to have a distance of two meters two meters uh, between each other so of course also limiting our capacity but now on this wednesday the 27th of may uh, switzerland has actually announced that they will um, have new and, and less regulations uh, in force. For example, from the 30th of May, you will be allowed to have groups again of up to 30 people. And beginning from the 6th of June, which is uh, one and a half weeks from now, you can even have events up again to 300 people. So uh, kind of a little bit going back to normal. Um, Yet w w one rule will will still stay, um, that which is the two meter distance we're supposed to keep between each other. So even with three hundred people, people events possibly taking place again, you will need a very very large venue to have two meters between every person. Um, and of course, what no one can tell is um, or if a second wave will come again and we'll see what happens then but we're still very optimistic that especially for the winter season which usually starts um, end of november in andamat everything will be up and running again and also that the ski lifts can function again for example golf course has been open since the 8th of may as well and this the lifts which will operate in the summer are also allowed to open up again beginning of june so if nothing dramatic changes, then we would should be back to some kind of normal for the winter season. Take care, everyone. It's nice to send that in. Um, I like the fact that the sauna's closed. I think it's a very sensible thing. Uh, it does make me wonder, though, Ian, is it, you know, with all this, would you think you would enjoy a holiday when there's so many restrictions? Hey, if I could go out to the Alps just now I would definitely uh, do that because I'd be happy just to go walking in the mountains you know it wouldn't be a problem to me I'd, uh, I'd be well up for it what about you Megan you, would you be keen to get in the mountains if you could uh, sit so far apart in a restaurant or you know if it was one in and one out of the swimming pool um, is that the sort of holiday you'd find relaxing I'd be keen to get anywhere apart from my flat right now <laughs> But yeah, I would definitely, definitely be out there sort of as soon as I could. To you be know, fair, the mountains I, in the summer are incredible, so. They are. And, you know, in Zermatt, where, you know, in Switzerland, they're doing, they're doing well. The, the lift should be opening on the 8th of uh, June if all uh, goes well. I shared a couple of photos from Zermatt um, earlier this week. Um, and one of them was like a restaurant. I can't recall the uh, name of it uh, now. And... I had to enlarge the photo because it looked so normal. Like there were no, there were people sitting, eating meals. <laughs> there were no like massive plastic screens between them or anything like that. They were, you know, they were spread out, but it just, it just 
was so reassuring that, that normal life, you know, can go ahead again. <laughs> but doesn't that mean, isn't it down to the government? I feel like Switzerland has dealt with it quite rationally and they seem to have controlled it quite well. Whereas I feel Italy is going to look a lot more how you just described, Ian. Uh, how, do you, how do you mean? With the, with the plastic screens I and right. the, the less normal, I think, you know, right. those countries seem to be a bit more worried than what Switzerland appears to be. I think Switzerland seems to be dealing with it in a more, lot more rational way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's interestingly, though, um, away from that, there are some interesting things happening. I thought the Port de Soleil are selling their ski passes yeah. um, now. And uh, I think it's half price, isn't it, for a season pass? At four ninety nine euros, which is uh, you know an amazing deal, um, and uh, I think they're going on sale. Well, by the time you, by the time this podcast goes out, they'll have gone on sale. Uh, so I think they're going on sale uh, tomorrow, uh, which would be the twenty ninth of uh, of May. But you know, it is an amazing deal. I think there'll be others around because you know resorts who, who lost a bit of income towards the end of last season are going down that route of trying to uh, discount a little to get in more revenue just now like we've seen with things like the magic pass and um, that you enjoyed last winter you know where those resorts getting revenue in early on but i think what do you know what i didn't quite understand is i often thought us season pass holders were the 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 lesser customers that they were less concerned about but it seems to me from what i'm noticing in the trends that we actually are a quite an important purchaser if they're discounting to get their the season passes sold now i understand that's probably a cash flow thing as well but if we look at the resorts that are opening um over in the states at the moment yeah. um for the end of the season they are giving like if it, one of the resorts is having 600 people and out of the people that can turn up um i think it's something like 540 of them uh are, will be season pass holders um as opposed to people just booking a one-day ticket which you know I'm, I genuinely am surprised. I thought season pass holders were not uh, a huge revenue income um, for resorts. And the fact they're prioritising those people to go back skiing now when they could have been making money on day sales. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to uh, to reward your customers. Is that Arapaho Basin that you're talking about? Um, I can't remember because I didn't write it down. Right, I think Arapaho Basin opened again uh, this week, and they often, you know, ski into uh, to June there. Um, but that's good. I mean, you know, as we, I think we've said before, we will see this summer. You know, when when the different uh, glaciers open up, uh, and you know, when they start skiing in New Zealand and Australia as well, exactly how they manage the numbers of people on the mountain, it will be quite instructive as far as uh, you know what might happen uh, for next season. What I would be really interested into, and this is the link I'm doing, is um, if uh, if we were to um, have a ski show this year, yeah. um, how would that be affected by social distancing? Because, you know, they're busy places, they're quite crammed, you're, you're squidged in, desperate to get to that one stall, giving away free toffee vodka. Um, how are they going to control that? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, you're referring to the possible new ski show. We had Rob Stewart uh, in on episode 51, who told us about that show. And there is actually a website up now at the skishow.co.uk. And it's got the dates up there, 25th to 27th of September, the location, the Snow Centre, Hemel Hempstead. Uh, but you're right that, you know, it's very hard to launch uh, a ski show in a situation where the venue is currently closed and there is no opening date, you know, lined up. So there's so many caveats attached uh, to this show. Uh, certainly, you asked how it would work. I mean, I don't know how it would work, uh, to be quite honest with you. Social distancing, I imagine they'd have restricted numbers. Maybe that makes the tickets kind of even more valuable if you can get them. Uh, what a ski show where there's 600 people and um, 440 of them can be season pass holders and the rest can be day tickets and uppers. I mean, that's a good idea. Um, I think that the pricing is actually interesting. It's only yeah. £12 to get in, which is um, um, a lot more um, responsibly priced than previous ski shows. Yeah, and according to the website, includes a, uh, a voucher for drinks as well. Drinks, it says plural but uh, who knows exactly um what you're going to get but 
I can't actually remember how much it was last time. I remember the lot of deals. I mean, it says children under 16 are six pounds, and I thought children at the uh, the last show, you know, at Battersea Park Telegraph one were free. Um, I don't know about the children, but it was seventeen pounds if you pre-booked, and then twenty-two or twenty-three pounds on the day. Right. Okay. Why yeah. I know that, I don't know. You know, well, it'll be interesting as as there's there's a show, there's a date, there's a location, but as yet, um, you know, you're not going to be able to uh, buy tickets for it. Uh, so we'll we'll follow that one closely to see uh, exactly what's going to happen. It does say tickets on sale first of July, so maybe by then we you know we'll have definitive information about it. I mean, what I really want to know is I don't know if you know the answer to this or if anyone does is yeah. <clears throat> is it all going to be in in Hamel Ski Centre or is there a marquee outside? I don't know why, but this is the one thing I'd really like to know. Yeah. No, there's, the, the plan would be for, for both, yeah, for a marquee outside. I don't know how well you know that uh, snow centre, but there's a there's a car park that's on a slope, but there's also a flatter kind of car park mm-hmm. um, near the entrance, and they would they would use that. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of uh, you know interior uh, area as well that they can they can use, and then lots of activities you know going on on the slope uh, as well. Yeah, well, there we go. That's some exciting car park chat. I enjoyed that. Um, we are luckily joined by a car park expert. Um, her name is Megan. She works for In The Snow and her sister company, In The Car Park. Um, Megan, what is your favourite car park? Have you got a favourite car park? <laughs> oh, that is a tricky one. You know, I have visited many car parks in my time. Um, if it's ski related, I'm going to... I've never waitrose car park, can't I? <laughs> Um, I, I was just thinking it. I think one of my favourite park, car parks that is ski related is the one in Teen, right at the front, where they have the um, flat um, rope so you can get you closer to your car. It tows you along the car park. I, that's gonna, I'm going to say that's my favourite car park. I think I've got nightmares from a car park in Teen once where I got dropped off on a university trip and they dropped us off right at the other end of the resort and everyone had to walk all the way through with all their bags. And after a 24-hour coach journey, it wasn't, wasn't quite the most enjoyable thing. Yeah, uh, that sounds like Teen. Uh, we mentioned Arapahoe Basin uh, earlier. Their car park's pretty cool, actually, particularly at the end of the season there. There's lots of that kind of tailgating stuff and people having parties and, and things like that. What is tailgating? Well, they've got their pickup trucks and, uh, you know, the idea is they sit down the bottom of it and just have a, um, a bunch of drinks and a bunch of beer. Oh, right. I thought it was when you drive really close to someone else's bumper, which is... When I was reading, when I was preparing for this, I was reading that um, one of the things that are banned when you go to an American ski resort is tailgating, and I just wondered how they thought not driving close to another car would affect the transmission of COVID nineteen. But there we go. I know. I now know it means um, sitting in the back of your Utes and having a beer. There we go. Um, Podcast could be a real thing. Yeah, it could be. Why not? Um, we'll get it set up. Uh, but you can be our first guest. Um, Megan. Right, so we've probably got some serious questions for you, um, seeing as though you're very important. Um, Let's start by you telling us what In the Snow is and what your job is. Um, Yep, so In the Snow is the only free ski magazine in the UK, so um, it's one of the main media players in sort of the UK ski scene. And yeah, we've got a large website, inthesnow.com. We do four print issues every year and then we've got a big youtube presence and social media presence as well so we try and sort of get out ski content any which way we can sort of 24 7 all year round and your your role in that is um to do yeah so my sort of title would be social and digital content manager so i basically manage all the stuff that goes out on our social media platforms and also online on insnow.com well, an exciting job, definitely. Um, so, um, Ian, you must have an important question. I've just got um, childish questions that I'm still from live and kicking. About car parks. Well, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested to know, you know, like I can imagine listener, you know, thinking there, uh, listening to the pod right now and thinking, wow, okay, I wouldn't mind being online editor for uh, a snow magazine. How did you get that job? Like, how do you get, uh, I don't know, the experience or qualifications to get into that role yes it's quite a good question it's something i actually do get asked quite a lot from sort of um friends or friends of friends is oh how do i you know how do i get into something like that um it was kind of a combination of 
chance, like luck and chance and training and passion, really. Um, you know, I did anthropology as my undergraduate at university, which doesn't really lend itself to any sort of real career. But then I did a master's in journalism because that was something I was really interested in. Um, and then I did the classics of finish studying, go on a ski season, have a great time. <laughs> so I went off to St. Anton in Austria, uh, which was amazing. Nice. But then when I came back, I definitely had a sort of season blues few months where I was interviewing for loads of jobs. You know, I thought I have to get a real job now. Um, but nothing was really sort of jumping out at me as something that I was really passionate about, interested in. Had a few interviews, but it's never, never, something never really clicked. Uh, so I started thinking, you know, what am I good at? Which was sort of journalism. What am I trained in? That, and then what do I really love? What do I, what am I passionate about? Which is skiing. So I thought, oh, I'll just put the two together. Maybe I should apply to work at a ski magazine or something, which is easier said than done, uh, as I found out. There aren't that many in the UK, so I sort of Googled all of them and then just basically sent out a lot of emails asking about, you know, does anyone do internships or work experience or anything really? Job opportunities would be great, but I wasn't super hopeful. Um, and then, yeah, Emerson got back to me and just said if I'd be interested in sort of working as a contributor, you know, because I'd pitched sort of a seasoner's guide type thing um, as something I could write for them if they wanted to sort of see some of my writing or something. And, yeah, so then I wrote that. They published it. They seemed to really like it. So then they said, well, actually, you know, we might have a, an opening as sort of running the social media channels. And obviously, as someone that's grown up with social media sort of everywhere, I had kind of jumped at the chance to somehow forge a career so, in that. So, so you, you're saying there that because you're much younger than us and we didn't grow up with uh, social media, that you stood a big advantage there. <laughs> Not necessarily an advantage. I just think I was a lot more keen for it than maybe some other people would have been. Yeah. But so by providing, you, you did a bunch of work for free. Is that what you're saying? You provided a bunch of work for free and that led to the job or did you get paid for that? It wasn't necessarily for free. It was, there was always a, a conversation there around sort of how I would get paid or something. There was definitely like an implication that something would happen there. But then right. it just so happened that they actually did need someone. So then I ended up coming on board full time. Right. So good, good timing uh, as well. So you... That, what was your piece about seasons? A guide to it was, seasons? So it was kind of like, because when I had, had been researching to go on a season and done my season, I was Googling a lot sort of how to get a season job, how to, you know, how to do the interviews, because there's not really much advice out there for, for stuff like that. Like I could, I could hardly find anything. So I kind of thought if I can write this stuff, then it might be good to help other people who have been in that same situation. Um, just yeah to help them get some guidance yeah. really i find that that's that's interesting because uh, you may know that uh, you know back in the day i started a website called natives.co.uk oh the, yeah uh, season workers website and we used to have a lot of information on there but you know i parted company with that company parted company with natives quite some time ago and no, don't get me wrong, they, there is stuff out there but it's it's usually like you have to search for it and then in a lot of it's quite similar it's just here are the places where you should look for jobs and all this, yeah, whereas... My, my content wasn't any good, is that what <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting what you say there about, um, you know, there were, you discovered there weren't many ski magazines. Because there's even fewer now, aren't there? Because, I mean, we covered before, I can't remember what episode that was in, about uh, the Telegraph, you know, closing down the show and uh, closing down their magazine uh, as well. Uh, and, you know, that magazine had been one of the longest running, I think it used to be the Daily Mail before that, etc. Um, so there are even fewer magazines now. I, you know, I wondered, in relation to, you know, your role, have you seen any any changes in the media overall since that's closed down? A few more draw applications, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment. Um, well, I mean... Obviously, it's always a shame when a big media player like the Telegraph, like you said, that magazine has gone through sort of all those stages and it's always been quite a big respected player in the industry. So it's a massive shame for us to see something like that disappear. Um, obviously, we are bound to gain from that somewhat. And, you know, already we're sort of putting in developments in the snow that mean that hopefully we'll drive out of this pandemic in a more positive way and be able to sort of encourage 
greater consumer demand, I suppose, going forward and keep people really enthusiastic about skiing during what's obviously quite a difficult time. In terms of changes in the industry, you know, I think a lot of people might look at the situation with that Telegraph Ski and Snowboard magazine and think, oh, this is just another case of print maybe dying out as a, as a media form. You know, maybe everyone's going online. Um, but in the snow, I don't think that's necessarily how we see it at all. Um, our magazine over the recent few seasons has really kind of stepped up its game in terms of just the look and the feel of it. And now we've kind of put it out as more of a, a lasting coffee table type magazine where it's something you want to keep as opposed to just something like a when you flip through and then just maybe, just maybe chuck away. Um, and also, can, I, can I just quickly ask, um, what's the circulation? It's about 43,000, I think, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> I won't. I, can I will tell other people that. <laughs> it's, well, hang on, I'll come back to you on that one. <laughs> but what I was going to say about, um, just the last thing about print is, obviously we're all spending a lot of time on our screens, probably now more than ever during the pandemic. And it's just a nice change from that to have something physical in your hands, you know, that you can just flick through that takes your mind off of the screen, gives your eyes a bit of a break, I suppose. And actually, apparently, it really does help in terms of buying things. You know, people are much more likely to buy something after they've been looking at it in a magazine, just as opposed to flicking through online and going through various different pages and finding themselves somewhere completely different to where they started. What do you think, uh, Jim? How do you, how do you feel versus print versus online? Do you spend much time looking at magazines? Um, I am going to be honest, no, I don't. Um, I'd love to. It's something I dream about, just having endless subscriptions of magazines coming through my door. Um, but for whatever reason, I am the classic person who spends all their time um, looking at their phone, scrolling through the same three websites um, because they're not imaginative enough to look at another one. Why am I too scared to look at another website? Because I'd have to invest my time into getting to know it. Um, so uh, I... I don't I scroll through and I read books I don't tend to look at magazines I'm afraid yeah <laughs> my honest I mean I, can, I try and look at all of the, the ski magazines because I'm interested to see kind of what areas they're featuring etc but you know they're, they're fewer and fewer of them now so it's, it's easier uh, to do and you know I do end up writing a few articles for different magazines so you know one less magazine is a uh, is not good uh, across the board. But yeah, is that a, a, an article due to go out in the Telegraph uh, next winter? So that that one came to nothing. Mm. I think it also kind of shows just how adaptable everyone needs to be in this industry. You know, everything changes so quickly. Years ago, but now is some is a way that people consume ski content a lot more. And for us, that that's how we felt a lot with YouTube. Like our YouTube channel has grown exponentially in the last few years because. A lot of people see that as their sort of primary source of media content. And, you know, as a media producer, we've got to be at the front of doing stuff with that. So, you know, it's an interesting time and it is quite, it's, it's very fascinating to be involved in, I would say. Yeah, I think, I think your point there, Jimmy, is you'd much rather listen to a podcast about skiing than read a magazine about it. Yeah, yeah that's totally right. That's what I meant to say, but I said a load of other rubbish instead. You're right. <laughs> and what are the rewards? What do you get out of um, your job? Obviously, like um, journalism, you talk about that. But, you know, what people really want to know is, you know, do you get a of freebies? How many ski holidays do you get out of it? Um, you know, um, are you kitted head to toe in um, spider outfits? Or what, what, what's, what's the benefits? You don't wear spider, do you? Um, there, there are quite a few benefits. I mean, I would say it's not probably as glamorous as a lot of people think. Um, you know, no, I'm not kissed head to toe spider. <laughs> Although, you know, if they're listening, <laughs> but sentiment. There are, you know, there are definitely trips, but I wouldn't say the holidays because you know a, a press trip is rather different to being on a holiday with your friends. But of course, that's not complaining at all. We do get trips, and we are incredibly lucky to be in that position where we do get to go and visit these new, exciting places so that we can write about them, and you know put them in our magazine and share with our readers these incredible experiences that they could have. Um, but yeah, I would say it's maybe not, it's not super glamorous, but that we definitely get perks that are, you know, that's the reason I love this job. Definitely. What's the competition like when you're on a press trip, right? So there's you and there's, I don't know, 
Telegraph used to be there. Um, uh, the guys from um, Planet Ski, you know, do you talk to each other? I mean, fortunately, next time you go, you'll have to sit two metres apart, which will be handy. Um, you know, is it friendly? Or is there rivalry? Who's the best skier? <laughs> the best skier is usually the ESF instructor or whoever's taking us around for the day. <laughs> um, but no, I would say there's never there's never any animosity or anything like that at all. You know, everyone's from different publications, but everyone's there to do the same thing. Everyone's there to do the same job. And a lot of the time, you know, as you say, there's not that many sort of publications or media outlets out there, and our readerships quite often are a bit different. So a lot of the time we don't really feel like, you don't feel like, oh, what are you going to, what's your angle going to be on this? Because, you know, it's just, you just kind of deal with it, really. I've been on a few press trips where uh, you know you're with other people. And everybody is looking for a different angle. Fortunately, uh, you know sometimes other people are looking more at the luxury side of things. They want to write about the five-star hotels and this and that. And that's definitely you know not my area. Much more about the the kind of active on mountain uh, sort of stuff. But occasionally, you do see journalists trying to sneak in exclusive uh, you know interviews with someone who's uh, showing you around just to get their own unique content, which is Fair enough. I'm trying to do the same uh, as well, but it is it is quite entertaining. But generally, you know, press trips are, are fun, you know, because you when, yeah, when they do work out. Although, as Megan says, it's not like a holiday because often you're taken from one property to another and this restaurant to another. And, you know, personally, I'd rather just go and ski than sit in some restaurant at lunchtime for two hours and meet another owner. Not that not if any tourist offices or boards are listening right now. And that doesn't mean I don't want to go somewhere. But, you know, it can be a bit restrictive over, you know, your schedule. And that's a quid pro quo. You know, yeah, you, you can't complain at all. But it is, you know, it's maybe not as, oh, you're just going on, on all these holidays, as sometimes people think. Yeah, but, you know, it's a better job uh, than you know, being yeah. in an office or not oh, being yeah. in an office as, uh, as life is at the moment. Or writing for Car Park Magazine. Imagine the press trips. <laughs> There'd be no competition. It'd just be you in a porter cabin in an NCP in Birmingham. Uh, Two trailblazer parties. Trail, that's it. Trailgate. All right. Well, there you go. At the minimum. Trailgate parties. Trailgate parties. Um, yes. We've given you an idea for a, a new feature for uh, in the snow for this winter feature on the best on the best, <laughs> the best car, car parks. parks. And, I'm happy, uh, I'm happy uh, to write it. Yeah, have a good winter, and um, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. There you go, Megan. Enjoy um, Confirmant. I uh, will. Uh, let's just let's crack on then, shall we? Um, yep. Right. Well, that's uh, nice of Megan to drop in. She's gone now. Um, let's talk to someone less interesting. I, well, I really hope you've asked, Ian, because you're about to interview Laurie Taylor. I hope you found out if he actually does carry Dave Riding skis. <laughs> let's, uh, let's listen to that interview now. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so I'm um, delighted to uh, welcome Laurie Taylor onto the uh, podcast. Uh, Laurie is a Team GB athlete competing in slalom uh, uh, in the World Cup and Europa Cup circuit. Uh, how are you going, Laurie? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, beautiful day here in Basingstoke. <laughs> <Does that, laughs> that's where you've obviously spent uh, the lockdown period. How has your training been going there? Yeah, training's actually been uh, really good. I managed to get all the equipment I need before, uh, or the equipment I needed before lockdown. So, yeah, uh, I've I've been pretty lucky with that. Right. What what kind of what kind of equipment are you talking about there? So I, I managed to get some like a weight set up with a, a rack and uh, resistance bands and a, a turbo trainer for my bike, so I can Brilliant. I can pretty much do everything I need. Yeah, and you got the space to uh, to do that, have you? Uh, like a uh, garage set up or something? Sort of squeezed into the conservatory. <laughs> um, takes a little bit of manipulating, yeah. but it, it did, works. Where did the kit come from? Big, like a bulk order on Amazon or something? Uh, I, I can't. Um, it's, I've trawled the internet for a long time because everyone was buying fitness equipment so it became really difficult to get it so it was like some fitness superstore uk or something i have no idea (laughs) but do you have to pay for this yourself or like snow sports provide it or so that's come from me but obviously uh money uh 
through sponsorship. So right. uh, thankful for my sponsors allowing me to be able to purchase these things. And, okay, well, I'm happy for you to mention them because <laughs> if you want to, because uh, yeah, so yeah, so um, uh, I'd like to mention Air Associates. So they they've been supporting me this last year yeah. and Skyscanner uh, and. Well, now do I mention all my sponsors? I feel if I miss one, I well, uh, these are sort of my my main sponsors. Yeah. Well, um, that's that's you know, I mean that's great because I know it's very tough being on the circuit and you know the financial side of things because you're traveling around the uh, the world the whole time. But you know this season is well, I think it's gone pretty well for you. I certainly know that, or I think congratulations are in order because you got your first ever World Cup points. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty insane experience this year. Where where was that? So that was in Kitzbühel um, in January this year. Right. And and uh, how was that experience of, I don't know, getting to the bottom? Did you have to sweat it out to discover whether, you know, that had happened or had it worked? Uh, well, I was going down uh, bib, oh, I can't remember, 60-something. Six, right. uh, so I was pretty late in the order. So yeah. there's not too many people going in after me. So... I, I usually I get down and you know I look at the board and I see whatever number I think oh, okay well, that was all right and then I go into the finish area this time I went I got into the finish area and I just heard crowd cheering I thought oh, that was a bit louder than normal I look up at the board and I saw like twenty twenty six or something I thought what <laughs> and so I was sort of a bit surprised I thought. Yeah, and then one guy after me went ahead of me, yeah. but then I was... You've got to be top 30 tight. to get points, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, you 30. know, you're there 26th and you're watching everyone coming down hoping they're going to have a really bad run after you, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's got to be quite hard coming down. I, I did a little bit of racing, you know, very little, but what I remember is, you know, if you're coming down like 60th or something... Surely that track is in really bad condition by the time you come down. You know, it's an immediate disadvantage straight away. Yeah, sometimes you got to get lucky. Sometimes they'll prepare the World Cup piece like, and it's you go down bib sixty, and it's like you're going down bib ten. There's nothing there. Uh, Sometimes it's a bomb site, so (laughs) you got to pick your day to have a good day. Um, But this. This time the track was was pretty good. Like there were so, there were some bumps and but nothing nothing major. So I was able to have a pretty clean run. Cool. Well, so congratulations uh, on that. And I know the season was curtailed, um, which maybe prevented you doing a few races. But um, hopefully you'll be back on that on the World Cup circuit again. And you, you went to the Olympics last time as well, didn't you? Pyeongchang. Were you at Pyeongchang? Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. did the team event and the, and the slalom there. Yeah. yeah. So um, obviously uh, that's a, a, another couple of years cycle. So good luck with the with the training. What about getting back on snow? When do you, <laughs> do you have any idea when that might happen again? Uh, well, there's been hints that it's they've got it in sight, but there's been no dates or anything mentioned. So we're a little bit. I think everyone's a little bit uncertain at the moment. So we're probably looking towards end of june start of july yeah um but uh, not really sure to be honest yeah okay well um, fing- fingers crossed for that and when that when that happens you'll be because we spoke to dave riding um a little while ago you train with dane uh, with dave don't you you're kind of a, a group together yeah yeah so that started for two years ago i've been training been training with dave yeah yeah and i mean have you found that's been a benefit to you personally oh yeah yeah huge huge benefits so training with the best in the world um on a regular basis you know you get shown how it's done schooled every day (laughs) right okay because you remember you 24 25 24 yeah yeah and how old dave about 10 years older than that maybe i don't yeah 30 33 so he's yeah Roughly 10 years older than me. Yeah, so a lot of experience he has. Uh, you know, it must be brilliant for you to do that. And you share the same coaches and, and physios, etc. as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's great to feed off his experience and pretty much whatever I'm going through or dealing with, working on. He's He's sort of been there 
and sort of has advice for that which is great and and i was watching i mean you've got um some great videos on your youtube channel you know uh you were doing a a series which doesn't look like you did it last winter called behind the brits i think it was called yeah yeah no i enjoyed making those yeah behind the brits yeah i mean i thought they they are brilliant i mean did you edit those yourself Ah, uh, thank you. Uh, no, yeah, I did. I I was quite into the editing. I really, really enjoyed the filming and editing and liked making sort of a little bit of a story each week of, yeah. of what we get up to. Well, I, you know, to, to the listener who's listening to this, I thoroughly recommend you, uh, uh, you know, have a look at uh, Laurie's channel because, well, like I said, editing's excellent, but it's a real insight, you know, into behind the scenes, you know, what it's like with that group of you uh, training and the camaraderie you've got. And it's not just you and Dave, is it? Because you've obviously got all the other, uh, like you've got Tristan Jai, what, I can't remember what role he plays, um, the technician guy, uh, Ali, someone. Yeah. Who was the GS gear who was with you? I've forgotten it, sorry. Oh, that's Char- Charlie Raposo. Yeah, okay. yeah it's it's great us all, all being together there and, and um, yeah, we all have a good time. We, it seems like we're working very hard, which we are, but it is, it's a lot of fun. And that's yeah. what I tried to show in, in the videos. It's not all just hard work. You know, we we have a lot of fun doing what we do. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's um, that's great. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if time pressures were too much, but, you know, I'd be keen to see more of those uh, videos again. I, <clears throat> I thought, you know, I thought they were so good. And it's interesting watching them as well. I mean, I noticed that you're all wearing heart rate monitors a lot of the time. Are you actually recording all of that? Kind of uh yeah we we actually we wear them when we ski when we do our fitness training uh so we're recording that and it's uploaded onto our like a database and we sort of keep track of the load like how much um okay physical training we're doing and it just right. helps us keep a track on recovery we also wear um uh rings these special heart rate rings while we sleep and really that sort of tracks up yeah it tracks okay. our heart rate and heart rate variability through the sleep and it gives you an even better sort of insight into yeah. your recovery status right. I, guess. I mean that sort of tech is uh is great we were actually talking before we came on something that i've got uh, that you're about to try the neurocore uh device have you have yes. you actually had a chance to try that yet yeah i've i've had a little play with it i've 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 not uh, fully explored it yet, but having read up on it a lot on the internet, uh, the theory sounds really good and really promising about what it does, helping uh, tap into your body's ability to to recover and heal. Um, so I'm excited to give that a bit of a go. Yeah, well, it's uh, like I've tried it a few times, but essentially it's one of these things where you kind of, uh, I guess you you attach these uh, points to different bits in my case you know on the quads or calves or something like that uh, and it fires these little electrical pulses in and uh, the idea is it helps you helps you recover i mean I, I don't know how i'll ever know i think for me it's probably just psychological but anyway i think i don't know maybe it'll it'll uh, you know it'll work for you um, but maybe you can come back and tell us i don't know <laughs> yeah I noticed as well on one of those videos that you guys do like park run from time to time, or maybe Dave has done park run as well. Is that kind of aerobic fitness important to you as well? Because I thought with slalom, it's really kind of intense bursts, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess it's it's just uh, it's looking at that top end um, uh, exertion. So you you're sort of going flat out for an extended period of time it's sort of it's we kind of use it at the end of each week as as a bit of a almost a test and it's it's just something fun to do at the end of at the end of the week like you can't push yourself that hard by yourself but if you're running it in a race you can get that little bit more juice out yeah so do you all go along to your different local park runs and then uh compare yeah yeah we do and there's always a bit of controversy about whose uh, park okay. runs easier as well. I, of course, yeah. <laughs> so I Dave think Dave's will, Dave one's will, easy. 
Oh, do you? Because he's right. talking some good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to. I mean, I do part run locally as well, and I think they need to have some kind of uh, like a, a graded average or something like that to uh, to to get it across. But I like the idea that the competition's there. Hopefully, part run will be up again, and you'll be uh, skiing again fairly shortly. We're recording this in the end of uh, May, and they've just started skiing again um, in in Austria and they're starting to open up again in in France and Switzerland so we just need to be able to get over there but however it works out for next season and um, best of luck on the World Cup uh, circuit I hope you get some more points and uh, we look forward to uh, to seeing your progress to, to presumably your goal is Beijing uh, down the track as well yeah thank you thank okay. you no worries Laurie really good to speak to you Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, and what I've learned from that is you need to keep your eye out at Park Run for a sort of famous person um, wherever you're running. It's, I'm going to start looking for a Park Run in France. I wonder if they do it. Um, it seems like a nice chap, though, Laurie Taylor. Yeah. You're going to gate crash his Park Run. You're going to find out okay. when it is and just turn up. See if you can uh, beat him. No, he doesn't live in my. He doesn't live in my uh, area. But um, yeah, you know, good. Good, good chap, and really, you know, you can imagine they have a really good training group. Particularly when you look at the the videos there, you get a real insight to what it's like for those guys, um, all training together. And you know, the economy is it economies of scale or a rising tide floats all boats, whatever it is. He's he's definitely progressing, and he's pretty young for uh, for. I think he said he he's 24, and Dave Riding's 33. So you know, there's a lot of uh, potential there. I mean, ironically, he looks younger and Dave Riding looks older, though, right? Right. <laughs> Do I keep that opinion to myself? Um, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that interview. Um, interesting, um, uh, especially all the heart monitoring stuff. Monitoring your heart while you're asleep. I imagine, I imagine mine is just um, flatlined. I, I don't seem to wake up very much. Um, let's, uh, let's do something else, um, shall we? Ian, um, I, we, well, you remember, I went to Anzer, and when I was there, we did an Avalanche special, which you can listen to. Um, yeah. It's got no number, it's just called Avalanche Special. And I was there with Dave Burrows, and um, we went a bit punter, and we decided to find out what makes the, the perfect ski run. So let's um, listen to that now. Um, I've been wondering, what, um, what, is, what is, how do you pick a good run when you go to a ski resort? Um, and to achieve this, I've decided to come to Anzer with Dave Burrows. Uh, we're going to go full-on holidaymaker tourist and try and work out um, what is a good run. Um, obviously, it's going to be subjective because, you know, one man's Swiss wall is another man's indoor snow dome, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, what is a good ski run? Like drama, um, scenery, pasted, challenging fun little bits to play off and stuff I think I, most importantly yeah. for me it's got to be fun that's what I'm looking for fun and what do you define as fun that I enjoy it at the end of it yeah right so what I do is I like the adventure of it this is what I do when I come to a new place I mm. deliberately don't take a piece map and I just go wherever that's the that's what I do when I come to a new place and I kind of like sort of just exploring but without having too much of an idea of where, where I'm going mm-hmm. that, that would be my my preference. Do you compare it? Like, um, obviously, some people would go like Jerusalem in uh, uh, Saint Martin is the ultimate, most fun run. Some people might go Le, the Fass in Val d'Isère. Is it? Do you have something like that? That's... Uh, yeah, I've got an idea in my mind where like I most like to ski. Mm. So if we find something like that, that's what. So what was it? The lady at the tourist office was saying to us earlier that we should go to this place called La Rouge because the the runs are like wide open. So I'm looking. But what I want to do today, I've got a new pair of skis with me as well. So I'm looking for a kind of nice sort of red pitch, mm-hmm. it's wide and well groomed. That's like my criteria. Tell me about pitch. What is pitch? What? I know that's the most ridiculous question. No. And that's my job is to ask the ridiculous <laughs> question. Sorry. What the hell pitch. is a pitch? A pitch is what I mean by steepness. So there's a certain steepness where, to me, it doesn't feel like there's a great going, a great deal going on. And then there's a certain steepness where it gets to be really, really fun. And then there's a certain steepness where my vertigo starts to kick in. That would normally be somewhere like the top of the Swiss wall. I'm quite, mm-hmm. quite, I get vertigo, which is not great. But, um, but actually, yeah, so I'm looking for a, a, like a nice middle ground, what you call like a medium red, 
where I can just sort of get the skis on edge and, and make some nice turns in the snow. That, that's kind of what I'm looking for. A lot of it for you is about turning, isn't it? You enjoy that. Yeah, I like But there will be some people, uh, maybe me and my youth, you <laughs> like to you know, find bits to play on and get to know a run. I think a key thing for me is, do I want to do that run again? Yeah, like that's If a good I got one, to the bottom and went, I want to get on that lip. Yeah. That's an important thing. Would you remember that? I don't say that very often. Do I? Right, let's go around again. But you remember that bumps run we did in um, Diablo? Yeah, we did that three times. We did that three times. So that was so good. Like, oh, let's go around again. Like, that also, there was a run in um, uh, Grimental Zeno that you can see across the way from here. Yeah. There was one we lapped a couple of times because everyone was super stoked with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, can't remember which one that was. And I really like that last run. I mean, it was intense, wasn't it? It was steep. It's really steep. But, but I enjoyed hot. the challenge yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there is a certain. So we talk about pitch again. Like you know, there is a certain black steepness of peach peach uh, peach 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 I like a steep peach myself I like a, pe- I like a peach skier the, the where you where I get a nice feeling of a sort of uh, uh, almost like a trampoline kind of feeling so if we can find a pitch like that that would be nice as well but yeah I'm looking for a nice cruisy red to kind of lay these new skis over and, and make a few turns cool so we've um, we've got a recommendation from uh, um, Justine Justin, Justin, Mr. Tumble at the tourist <laughs> office. Um, we'll obviously do that. And then what we're going to do, Dave, is we're going to go proper holiday maker. And at lunchtime, we're going to get the map out. Yeah. And pour <laughs> over where we've been and discuss which was the best run. Do you go, are you going to turn on your ski tracks and try and get oh, as fast I do that? As you can go? A bit of Strava. I've never done it. I've never done that either. Should we do it? I'll do that. Right, let's go. Good luck. <clears throat> right, so me and Dave have been super um, tourist skiers today, haven't we? We have. Jim has sprayed me with snow. We've had an argument. Yeah, we had a genuine argument about how to find the restaurant. Um, and well, what else did we do? We got lost a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't lost. You weren't lost. No, I knew where I was. Okay, I thought I was lost. And we've skied the we've skied the whole area. So and yeah, the point of this conversation we're yeah. having is not to just tell people about our day. Oh, is to is to talk about. The runs we were looking for the best. Oh, yes. We were talking about the best run and the pictures. Yeah, and I've got a piece map. I mean, if I had a highlighter, yeah, I would use it. Yeah, oh, look, we've got Pondu arriving. <laughs> we are on holiday. Oh, this is perfect. Time. I'm getting sunburn. Actually, <laughs> that's how it's working out. Okay. Um, so right, Dave, I'm going to mm. go. Run at the cable car. Yeah, I'm pointing. Yeah, and that first red run. Yeah. What do you think of that? Really good. I, I, what's it called? Um, uh, no name, it just goes it's quite a number. Teddy Ski Lacoum. I think it might even be called Lacoum, must be my run. Okay. It was good. I was surprised. I was, I'm going to say I was genuinely surprised. Yeah. Well, what we've done, we went up about 10 o'clock, didn't we? And the snow was just on the turn. So it wasn't fro- frozen ice. It was just hard and grippy. And that was that was good. It was steep at the top and it flattened off. I really enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, I would say. Whatever that is called, that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to say that was my favourite, but I'm going to crack on. So no, then, it wasn't my favourite. Then we um, went down and we went up, I think we went all the way to the bottom. Because we carried on going, we went down at the uh, release. Yeah. And then we put this um, this chairlift up, didn't we? Yeah, and, and then we had to get another one. I mean, this is every conversation you've ever heard uh, around a chalet table. But this is the run here that um, uh, Justine uh, recommended. She said we should come and ski down to Le Rousse, which is the end of the area. I think she was spot on. And this this run here, this is my favourite. So we went down into the trees. The start of it. Yeah, because the the tree line started about here, didn't it? Mm. And then, so between Labat and La Rousse, there's this red run here was full of like, it was a nice steepness. It went down in between trees mm. and there was lots of little jumps and things you could kind yeah, of, nice you know, terrain. Um, and that was, I had my most fun on that run. Big sweeping corners Big sweeping well. corners. And also the start changes. was that really nice um, mountain area, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Big. That almost like a giant Coolwell Valley thing. Yeah, yeah. That was that was no. This was my favourite area down here. This through the trees down to the roost was brilliant. The snow was in great condition. Down there too. And may I say, I think it's one of my favourite chairlifts as well. It was really fast. Yeah. And efficient. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and then we went down this way. And what do you think of this mighty black run that we did? I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was a, um, a fraudulent black run. That was a bit of a letdown. I'm honest. It was it was poor. Uh, that was that was not very good. Um, so we went down there. It wasn't great. Um, but then we got this chairlift. Um, the 
Grilles. The Grilles chair back up. Yeah. And then we did this um, T-bar, back T-bar right to the top of the cable car. Which That's right, because we were going to go and ski the big black run, weren't we? Yeah. We, back were, we, were, we were looking for the big black run. Yeah. And it goes back into the village, like you say. And, you know, if someone told me you were going to go and ski a really long black run back to the resort, and I'd go, that sounds a bit shit. But it was really good. It was incredibly good. It was really good. The snow was really good. The, the, the pitch was a lovely steepness all the way down there. And it had an over, a tree overhanging the piece. Oh, yeah, you looked really happy underneath it. <laughs> I should have taken a picture. I'd do that on the night. Do it on the way back down. And, um... And eventually found it. <laughs> so you're going to say your, your favourite run was down La Russe. Yeah, from Lebat down to La Russe, that is that's the place to ski in NZ. That's like my yeah, well endorsement. Yeah. There we go. It's cool though. Lovely. I, w- I I would choose to come here to have a day out skiing. There we go. It's a really nice place. The the, the pieces are in great condition. I, it's, a, it's a great day trip place. This is where I would come. I wouldn't, I wouldn't come here for a week on holiday. I think I would. But then I don't go for weeks on holiday in the season anyway. Do it's I? a difference, isn't it? Yeah. I would come back. I would bring my family here for a week. It feels family friendly. And there's an air, airport. If you've got a pri- if you, if anyone in the uh, in the ski podcast uh, listener fan base has got a private jet, you can tell your private jet pilot to fly into Sion and then you just get a limo up here and then uh, yeah, perfect. you're here it's a perfect day for a day trip I'm guessing if you've got a private helicopter and a limo you're probably going to go to the other side of the valley you might do show or off. maybe you're missing out because this off. is the place to come yeah it's got a mountain called Sex Rouge <laughs> I mean genuinely you know, I'm interested to find out what I said and what happened in that because I um, that was a long time ago it happened so when I come to edit it it will be a big surprise to me. Uh, let's round up uh, with some reviews. What have we got? We got a bunch on Snowheads. No more uh, recently on iTunes. Um, can I just can I just clarify? Is it a review if it's just a comment? Uh, well, I'm going to read it out because as uh, Sir says, episode 54 had the best and most interesting interview I have yet heard with Dave Riding. Uh, me too. Dave Riding went down uh, went down well. We've also got Mike Powell on there. Great interview with Dave Riding. And then the last one there is from Primrose and Blue. Is, there, is that a Snowhead name? Yeah, yeah, that's a username, yeah. All right. And they say, um, really enjoyed the interview with Steve Cross. So well done, Ian. You should give yourself a pat on the back for that. <laughs> oh, and Steve Cross uh, is a guy who created that uh, cheerlist in the, in the garden. And uh, both those interviews were in episode 54. There we go. Wonderful stuff. Right, well, that's been quite a long show, I think. So let's wrap it up. I've enjoyed talking to Megan and everyone else who was on the podcast. What what a um, cast we've had this week. Um, Anything coming up, Ian, that you want to plug? Uh, well, um, we looks like we'll be doing a Q&A with Graham Bell. Um, we don't exactly know when that's going to happen yet, but um, you know we'll we'll put it on the social media, and you can send your questions in in advance, and we'll probably do it Facebook Live as well, so you can ask questions while we're interviewing him. That is um, an, ex- an ex- skill. I'm looking forward because uh, we've spoken to him a few times, and I, I still haven't brought up the subject of um, when I once commentated on him. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he probably doesn't remember it, but um, I might uh, I might bring it up. Well, I'm fascinated to know to know that one. Um, are you allowed to tell me how that worked? Uh, yeah, he did something, and I commentated on it with a microphone. It was um, it was a, a ski show. I think it was uh, one of the Earl's Court ones, and I can't remember who it was, but they had a stall and they had a bucking bronco, um, and Graham was there pretty much all the time trying to get a, a good time. Um, turns out it's really competitive and um, <laughs> because I'm naturally um, entertaining when I let words fall out of my mouth I was allowed to stand on the microphone for a whole 20 minutes and commentate on Graham's attempt right okay well we look forward to uh, seeing if he can uh, remember that and uh, it's worth noting Ian that um, out of that um, four days of it I was only able to do it for 20 minutes so um, <laughs> 
<laughs> what came out of my mouth is probably was it probably inappropriate enough not to be allowed to do it again. Cool. All right. Well, we'll uh, announce the date for, for that. Uh, and have you got anything up your sleeve, Jim, to, for the show? Uh, I keep trying, you know. There'll be something, I'm sure. I'll pull something you know, out. Depending when our next show is, you might be able to go skiing. Well, I'm thinking I might uh, try and go to um, Desalp, I think. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That'd be exciting. Yeah. 8th or 6th of June, I believe, they're opening. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if I have to pre-book my slots or have to pretend I'm in the French race team. <laughs> I imagine there'll be a lot of race teams up there. There'll be a lot of people wanting to get on that side. I'll have to get some lycra out just so I fit in. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, good to speak to you, Jim. You too. Right. Well, that's the end of the show. Um, don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook at the Ski Podcast on Twitter and uh, email us, Jim at theskipodcast.com or Ian at theskipodcast.com. Or if you want to catch up with our back catalogue, check out our website. Um, it's imaginatively or practically titled theskipodcast.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for everyone joining in. Take care. Bye bye.